بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين ولا عاقبة للمتقين والجنة الموحدين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا وخاتم النبيين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد فقد قال الله سبحانه وتعالى في كتاب العزيز بعد عوض بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم للفقراء المهاجرين الذين أخرجوا من ديارهم وأموالهم يبتغون فضلا من الله رضوانا وينصرون الله ورسوله أولئك هم الصادقون وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم العبادة في الهرج كهجرة إلي أو كما قال عليه الصلاة والسلام السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Brothers and sisters Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought us to this country Many of us, our parents migrated here and few of us are indigenous to this land In the community of the Prophet وسلم, there was a similar setup except each person migrated for the cause of Islam. And there was no place on earth to the community of the early Muslims than Makkah al-Mukarramah. But the moment they experienced hostility, difficulty from the community, it became obligated upon them for the safety of their faith, their families, their children, to leave a land that was dear to them. A land that is considered to be the greatest land on earth. This is a land that was built by Ibrahim Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls this land of peace. But even in this place, the great grandfather of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa that he established, it was not possible for people to practice their faith openly. It forced them to migrate to the first land of, of migration, which was Abyssinia. Even after that, there were two migrations to Abyssinia, not once. Muslims migrated twice. Then the Muslims could not find comfort in Mecca. And the Prophet said, Allah showed me a vision of a land that we will migrate to. Brothers and sisters, every single Muslim, that believed in the Prophet ﷺ had to leave the city they were born in. A lot of times we feel like we are Americans. They can't tell us to leave. This is my land. I pay taxes. Yeah. I mean, wasn't Makkah the Prophet's land? He was born there. He's the one that put the black stone on the Kaaba 20 years ago, 15 years ago. His great-grandfather, Abdul Muttalib, his prayer. His supplication at the door of the Kaaba, Alam tara kayfa the ababil descent to defend the Kaaba. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, sometimes we become so passionate of our place of birth, our land, our location, our community, that we forget that that's not important as much as our religion. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, on the day of judgment, there are going to be some people that did not serve their purpose. Allah will ask these people as they're being ushered into hell, as they're being dragged into hell. The angels will say, Qalu fima kuntum. What happened? Why didn't you stand firm? And the reply of these people will be, Qalu kunna fil ard. We were weak, we were oppressed. There was so much Islamophobia. There was so much hatred. I felt insecure. 
Are these excuses that Allah and the angels will accept on the day of judgment? Inshallah, we Allah forgives us. Ameen. But the Quran talks about these people. Why? What happened? We didn't feel comfortable. We felt we were vulnerable. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the angels replied to these people. Allah mentions this in the Quran. In Surah An-Nisa. Wasn't the land of God vast enough? You know, it is important for Muslims in America to live in communities that they find safety of their religion. You will have to change zip codes. You will have to change, you will have to migrate from state to state. But what happened is, I, I, I don't want to talk about state to state and where we, I want to go back a little bit. And really ask ourselves, those who migrated here and those who are born here, why are we even in America? Is America the best country to live in? I truly believe as a Muslim, America is the best country to live in. I truly believe this. Because I've traveled to a lot of Muslim countries. Of course, if you disagree with me, go fly a kite. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> you know? But of course, you have the right to disagree. You could say, I think... Qatar, Pakistan, Turkey, Turkey, Erdogan. You know, you, you, that's right. Everyone has their own choices. People in the middle, when they have children, they don't feel comfortable, they get up and they leave. Brothers and sisters, I don't know. If in Pakistan or Saudi Arabia, there's a gathering this diverse speaking about the Prophet at the moment. Give yourself a round of applause. We underestimate the freedom that we have in this country. We underestimate the ability of our conquests, of our freedom in this country, our rights, our ability to practice. Brothers and sisters, our families visit overseas and they look at our children and say, wow, you have a child that became Hafiz in the United States? When we take our daughters to those countries, they look at them wearing hijab like, what? In America? They're shocked. We have members of our community that visit Palestine, Pakistan, and they're like, teach us Islam. This is the level of opportunity that is at our disposal. But I still have to reiterate what I wanted to say. And that brings me back to the statement of my father. May Allah protect him and give him ease. Ameen. He said when I was leaving Pakistan and he was given scholarship at MSU in the 80s for his PhD, as he was leaving, his sheikh called him. And it's really important, guys, to have someone elder who's a scholar. And if you can't find one, you can always call me. 1-800-PAY-ME-FOREVER. You know, I'm joking, but like, on a, on a serious note, you have to have someone you talk to. You have children, you have families, you are responsible for their deen, for their safety, for their paradise, and we're just choosing to you know what, selfishly, I think this neighborhood is good, Lakeview, beautiful school district. Who cares about their religion? We will take care of their religion. Someone will come teach them Quran. Brothers and sisters, they will teach them if you pay them, but how much time will they give them? Brothers and sisters, it's not the teacher that creates the personality. It's a village that creates individuals. So when the Prophet ﷺ wanted to make these people, there was no better teacher than the Prophet. In Mecca, but the Prophet knew that Mecca wasn't, it wasn't enough for these people. 
it wasn't comp- it wasn't it wasn't giving them the environment that was enough to provide them the safety of their faith and their iman in that city. They had to leave. My father, as he was leaving, his sheikh called him. And he said, he said, Dr. Wahid, as he finishes MD in uh, King Edward in Lahore, he said, I want to tell you something. And I want everyone that's here who came from overseas, who has relatives from overseas to pay attention, or your parents. He said, I, I want to let you know that anyone that migrated to the West from the Muslim lands for the purpose of dunya, just wealth, degree, opportunity, their second or third generation's Islam is jeopardized. Third or fourth generation, don't even ask about it. Detroit is the home of the early immigrants of Muslims from Middle East, from Lebanon and Yemen that came to Michigan. Ford, GM, Chrysler brought them to work. Today, their third, fourth generation is not Muslims, most of them. If you go to Toledo, a large population of Muslims migrated there. They were brought to Ohio and Michigan for the great three, for the big three. Brothers and sisters, who do we think we are that we are going to be surviving in this country past three generations? We are standing in a church that in their Christmas and Easter events, this auditorium would be filled with 2,000 people and had three services. The preacher will land in a helicopter. I'm trying to get it, make it there. We're almost there. The preacher would land on a helicopter to preach their audience. The woman that was a preacher in this church ran for the president of the United States of America. This is how influential this church was to the Christian community here in Warren, Michigan. And the larger community. Brothers and sisters, when we don't pay attention to our faith, our children will sell the mosque that we built. They will divide. What is the intention that we arrived in this country? And the sheikh said to my father, what's your intention? He said, you cannot leave this country just to get a degree. Did he get a degree? Yes. Will you get a degree? Yes. Brothers and sisters, he says, make this intention. He said, what intention should I make? He said, I am doing hijrah for the sake of Allah's religion. I'm leaving this country to this land of the United States of America, this beautiful country, for the sake of God, to serve his religion. So as he's getting onto the airplane, he tells me, my dad tells me himself, he steps on the, on the airplane and uh, he steps back. He said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I got to make my intention. Right? I got to make my intention. It's like, you know when you're about to give the ring to your fiance, but the camera's not ready? Wait a minute, let's do it again. Let's do it again. That's exactly, that's how serious it was. A lot of guys are looking at their wives like, did I do that? Just, just remember your anniversary date. You know? So now we're looking at this moment. He steps back and he says, Oh Allah, I leave this land. A land that was founded for Islam. That country was founded on the principle of La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah. It's a big, big statement. I'm leaving this land to United States of America only purely to serve your religion. Gets on this flight. Brothers and sisters, this is how you make the intention to come to this country. This is why you live in this country as a muhajir, as a traveler, as an immigrant. Brothers and sisters, if we just rectify our intentions, why we are in America.
you will not lose your financial opportunities. Allah will bless you immensely. You will not lose the opportunity of degrees and careers. That is going to be granted to you. That's all part of the package. But the intention is, has to be vocal. You have to say to yourself, why am I migrating here? Why am I in America? The Prophet's companions left Mecca to go to a land that had no Muslims. Except those who accepted Islam with Musa ibn Umayr. A land that was surrounded by the Jews of Medina and the pagans of Medina. And they, they traveled for the sake of Islam. What happened? That land that was deserted, that was called Yathrib, became Medina. The Prophet's migration is known in the history. I can go through stories. But brothers and sisters, I remember I'll speak about just because in 20 minutes, Shaykh Abdul Wahab wants me to tell you stories, and I feel like the stories will take up 15 minutes. I'm going to tell you a fact. I, when I first became a scholar, my dad uh, and my brother sat me down and said, you know what, we need you to become an imam in Flint. And I know the people of Flint are listening and they might get offended. But I, I truly love them for the sake of Allah, because they pay me. Of course I love them. And everything people think about, I say, <laughs> unfortunately. You know, um, so dad says, you got to go to Flint. There's a community there. They need a scholar. They've been asking. I'm like, dad. I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave home. I stayed away from home for 12 years. I want to live next to dad, mom, my brothers, live in Detroit area, serve this community. He says, no, you got to go. I, I said, you know what? I'll try it for one year. So I, I moved. I, first four months, I didn't move from September school year. I just commute, commuted back and forth to Flint. And uh, two weeks into Flint, I was traumatized because there was a cultural change. These were all Middle Eastern people. Good people, different people. It's different. You know, when, they, when something's wrong with you, they'll say in your face. Like, Sheikh Abdullah, you know, uh, you're late. <laughs> I know I'm late. But the Daisy community will just talk about it behind your back. <laughs> you know, these people are straightforward. They will tell you. They tell you when you're wrong. They said, hey, Sheikh, uh, you're in the handicapped parking. I'm like, there's no imam. No, there's no parking. Get your car out of here. They won't offend you, but it's the truth. And it's beautiful because that's my personality. That wasn't the problem. It was just a little different. Maybe I wanted to stay home. I was looking for excuses. But what really triggered me when I would say a lesson in my class, the students would raise their hands and say, Sheikh, we disagree with you. Eighth graders, seventh graders. I, as an older brother, I'm being arrogant, I have never felt disrespected in my life. I felt violated by these children. My brothers in my whole life have never called me by my name out of respect. They call me Bajan, which means beloved older brother. Part of it because maybe I'm a bully, which I'm not. You know, the, the love and respect that I got around the circle that I was in, it was different. I was still getting it, but I was getting the tough love. I never felt that before. In a Desi house, better eat, eat. You know? And, and, um, so I was like, this is, this is not working well. I was like, guys, the prophet said this. Well, my grandfather, my grandmother said something else. I'm like, the prophet's saying this. He's like, does your grandfather read different Bukhari? We're having conflict here. Your grandmother, your parents, there was, there was back and forth, and parents were very cooperative. They, they accommodated me too. It's not like I accommodated them. They accommodated me. I was 24 years old, 23 years old, young grad. 
So um, one day I was teaching, true story. Please, whoever's recording this, um, cut this story off later. I'm teaching Quran to the kids. A kid comes, grabs my kufi, and runs away. Talk about violation. And if you know in the, in the sheikh circuit, pulling off the kufi off of a sheikh is like pulling off a hijab. Almost, you know? And he took my hat. What do you think I'm gonna do as a sheikh? Run after a kid? I just looked at him in complete shock. And there were a few of them just tossing him like a frisbee. <laughs> Even if I wanted to chase him, what am I, playing monkey in the middle? It's a real story. Traumatized. I threw in the towel. I'm done. This is two weeks in the community. I'm done. I come home furious. For money wasn't a factor, because Allah is razzaq. You know, Allah will provide you risk, job opportunities anywhere. Respect is important. You want to feel welcome. You want to feel like you're accomplishing something. Commitment. Come back. I walk into the door. My dad, my mom, my brother see me fuming. I'm like, I'm done. I resign. Put my bag down. My mom says, relax. Moms are the best. May Allah bless our mothers. Ameen. You know, says, eat first. Pray. Eat. I'm like, I don't want to eat. I'm done. Says, eat. I says, we sat down. My dad said, we'll talk about this after food. And trust me, if any man is ever angry, just give him food. <laughs> just calm him down. Then we'll, then we'll talk. You know, have some food. This guy is laughing really hard. <laughs> You're blessed. <laughs> you know, and... Um, I sit down, eat, and of course I calm down. I'm, I'm not hungry anymore, angry anymore, you know? So I sit down, and uh, my dad said, what happened? I told him the story. I thought my dad was like, that's it. I, my, my, my son, he's violated. <laughs> I thought he was going to say that. You know, this is not why I migrated to America. You know, <laughs> I thought he was going to remind. You know, sometimes when we look at kids and they do something wrong, I knew it coming to this country, bad decision. <laughs> no. Don't blame your child. Blame yourself. You made bad choices, and now you're paying the price because you didn't raise them right. Why are we blaming our kids for not praying salah? Who was supposed to train them to pray? Why are we blaming our daughters? Why are we blaming our sons? They were raised in our homes. Musa was raised in the palace of Fir'aun and became Kalimullah. You're raising children in homes of Muslims that have unbelievable opportunities. You have institutions at the tip of your fingers now. What excuse do we have? So I come home and I say to my dad, I said, Dad, my dad looks at me and said, what happened? He said the whole story. And he looks at me, he's like, you know what? Before I doubted whether you should move to that community, now I have full conviction, you have no choice. I said, what? So you, now you have to move. I said, before I didn't know how bad they needed you. <laughs> they really need you, their youth needs you. He said, you need to do hijrah. You can't do this for anyone else's sake. It has to be for the sake of Allah, for the youth. Brothers and sisters, 10 years later, these same kids that would take my hat, throw it around, these same young girls that would question every word I say, today they will move at, the, at the, the, just the snap of my fingers. They will stand with me at every cause. I remember one day I was sitting to teach a class and a student walks in with Starbucks. They know I drink my coffee in the morning. Another student walks in with another drink. I end up having seven to eight Starbucks coffees on my table. And I had tears in my eyes. You guys are laughing. And I remember these were the same girls that would disrespect me publicly. But today they have so much love and respect for knowledge of Islam. 
The reason why I say this is not because I want your sympathy or your support. Brothers and sisters, we got to make our decision. Why are we here? If you're here in this country just to make money, your decisions and aspirations are not more di much different than the Jews and the Christians of this community. They support the synagogues. They support their churches. Their children go to Ivy League schools. They represent their de denomination, whatever, whatever religion they're from. What makes us different? Brothers and sisters, we migrated, we live, we settled, we have children in this community for only one reason, and that is to promote the message of Islam. We will do this at every cost. Suhaib al-Sinan al-Rumi radiallahu anhu, one example only. He wasn't even from Mecca. He migrated there, like us, settled there. Some scholars say he was born there, but he wasn't an indigenous member of that community, which we can relate to. Time comes for migration, it's difficult for him. He's made so much money there. He's made more money than the locals. Sometimes these local people look at the Muslims driving better cars and like, how? Because we worked hard, inshallah, right? So they're looking at Suhib al Sinad Rumi, the Allah was like, man, you came to this community, you were poor. We helped you become rich. They stop him before he leaves. Suhib al Sinad Rumi, the Allah looks at the community and says, Ana Arma. I am the, I'm the best archer amongst you guys, Minkum. I will shoot every single arrow in my quiver. I will show every single arrow that I have in my possession to defend myself. Or I make a deal with you. So what's the deal? I'm one of the wealthiest people that's leaving this community. I'm leaving some real estate around the Kaaba. I'm leaving some weapons, some armor, some wealth, some gold, some silver in certain locations that I have. I'm going to give you the whereabouts of this. You got to let me go to Medina. I'm ready to sacrifice all my property, all my wealth, just so I can meet the Prophet in the city of Medina. He didn't know what he was going to receive on the opposite side. And they say, these people, most people are only in it for the dollar. They, religion is it's just a Ponzi screen they use. They, it's more interest is the oil, the, the, the resources of the Muslim lands, because Muslims and non-Muslims are fighting for the same territory. In the end of the day, it's all about, about the bottom line. So Ibn Sina Allah understands, he's like, you know what, take it. I don't need this. He leaves. Before he arrives to the Prophet ﷺ, Jibreel comes to the Prophet ﷺ, tells the Prophet what your companion did. He left all of his wealth for Islam. The Prophet ﷺ welcomes him. He says, Bakhan, Bakhan, Rabbi Halbayu Ya Aba Yahya, you've made the best bargain of your life. These are the people that sold their assets to secure their paradise. And Allah appreciates that. Brothers and sisters, all we have to do is realign. We don't have to change much. We just have to adjust. If I ask you to change something, that's difficult. It's about adjustment. You know, just adjust your intention. And nothing changes. People are afraid of this discussion. Just make your intention. From tonight, I'm in this country. I am in this country to serve Islam. For my children, for my grandchildren. And a lot of people are sitting here like, you know what? I missed the train. I wish Sheikh Abdullah spoke to me 40 years ago. Even you, you have a chance. Your prayers for your children. Never lose hope. Your prayers for your grandchildren. What you can do now. Allah wants to see your expression of where you're like, I think I failed, and Allah will prove you're not a failure. 
where you feel like, I can't do much, the moment you recognize you can't do much, Allah will make you do something. And all of us here have something that Allah is asking us to do. And I conclude, you know, guys, the once the Prophet's companion, his name was Miqdad bin Aswad, he was sitting years after the Prophet. And somebody walked by him and said, Lucky are these two eyes. Lucky, he, a man walks by a companion who saw the Prophet, but this guy didn't see the Prophet. He sees this Prophet's student. He says, Wow. You know, like someone who met Muhammad Ali, you know, like, wow, you guys, you guys met? Your parents are like, yeah. This, this is not Muhammad Ali. This is Muhammad Ali's role model, Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He says, you met the Prophet? He says, yeah. He says, Lucky are these two eyes of yours. Your eyes are special just for seeing the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The students are sitting about around. They're like, wow. We're like, wow, the, the, his, his eloquence of appreciating this man's, you know, sacred eyes, seeing the Prophet ﷺ, what a moment. And the, the Sahabi who's being praised, he flips the coin. He says, listen, listen, I know you guys are impressed by his, his statement. It is not acceptable for someone to wish to be in an era that God had never predicted them to live in. I'm going to repeat that again. It is not appropriate for someone to wish to be in an era that God, because you're wishing that you were somewhere and God wanted you somewhere else. Allah is the ultimate. Makes, he makes ahkamul hakimin. He chose us to be here in 2023 in United States of America. There's a, there's a reason. It's bigger than your idea of a dream house, dream car, dream spouse, dream career. He says that's not every person's position in this room, in this time, in this era has a greater purpose than our presence in this world. We are part of something great. And unfortunately, the West has made us feel our greatness is behind capitalism being a consumer, or someone that's making money. Brothers and sisters, there is nothing greater than coming together like this and realigning our intentions all together. We are in this country purely for the sake of Allah. The moment you make this intention, you will look at things different. People will meet you different. How could it be that your co-workers know you as a Muslim for 10 years, not once you presented Islam to them? You don't know why your purpose is here. One physician in my community said, my nurse in COVID passed away, worked for me for 10 years, helped me. She was one of the greatest women in my office. Unfortunately, she died. And my regret is I never once presented Islam to her. Brothers and sisters, do we know why we live in this country? Do we believe that paradise is true and all of our friends that we love, we cherish, don't have the message of Islam? So it's really a big project here. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make it easy. And I know we're not immigrants here. We're locals. We're born here. And many of us have grandparents who were born here. Brothers and sisters, well, we all have to realign our attentions. Why are we? In? The first hadith, it's in all the Sahih books, is about intention. But guess what the intention is about? Those who migrated for Allah in His Rasul. Indeed, the migration is for Allah and His Rasul. 
I bear witness and testify with all you guys together. We are in this country for Allah and His Prophet. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.